Let's be honest, we're all suckers for a good feud. Even though the idea of mixed martial arts involves two people mutually deciding to beat one another senseless or, you know, disable some limbs, there's something about the good old narrative of some deep-seated hatred between fighters being the only thing that can really, you know, appease our appetite for destruction. And of course, there is actually big business in rivalries as many of our top-rated pay-per-views here in MMA were highlighted by some level of animosity. Of course, that means there's incentive to manufacture conflict. And while there's a certain level of respect that even the most bitter of rivals have for one another after exchanging leather, there have undoubtedly been times when we really should be giving these frenemies the side eye. You're a great big phony, you know that? I'm Tom from MMA on Point and look out, Jocko is back as this video is sponsored by Origin. In addition to all of our go-to supplements at Origin Labs, Jocko's very own pre-mission all-natural energy drinks, no artificial colors, sweetness, flavors, or nonsense is the fuel to our fire. So go save 20% at originmain.com forward slash Jocko fuel using the exclusive code MMA on Point 20 at checkout. Anyways, more on that later, but for now, here are 10 huge beefs that were accused of being fake. Number 10, Israel Adesanya and Paolo Costa. The path leading into the main event of UFC 253 was filled with insulting social media posts, venomous interviews, and cage-side taunting. So the slow burn to the middleweight title fight between champion Israel Adesanya and undefeated contender Paolo Costa did lend to the authentic feel. Two men whose personalities and physical statures seemed like polar opposites. The minor jabs in early interviews slowly progressing into offensive photoshops and really fiery sound bites, it definitely seemed like there would be drama on site as the UFC sequestered fighters, staff, and media to Abu Dhabi's Fight Island. And to be honest with you, everyone was wondering what would happen leading up to the opening bell. So when the two were finally face to face in the fighter hotel, the results were... Yeah, they were, they were pretty underwhelming to say the least. Instead of an altercation worthy of Marvin Vittori and Carl Robertson, they actually instead calmly exchanged pleasantries as a secretly disappointed cell phone cameraman was ready to yell world star. But the two would go back to bickering by the time of the pre-fight press conference and again at the weigh-in stare down, leaving fans who had been following their feud pretty confused and pretty much doubting how real the bad feelings actually were. But of course, all doubts likely went away after Adesanya showed how he really felt right after just completely dismantling Costa. The question is, did he at least take him to dinner afterwards? Number nine, Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. By all appearances, Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal were the best of friends in the not too distant past. As teammates at American Top Team, the two went well beyond just sharing a gym. They were frequent sparring partners, roommates, and repeatedly gave one another credit for their wins. But when both shared the inevitable TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt position of trying to capture the attention of fans and climb the mountain of the stacked welterweight division, they were thick as thieves. Around the same time, both broke through the ceiling of their careers, Covington fanning flames against then-champion and fellow ATT alumni Tyron Woodley, along with the entire country of Brazil, and Masvidal, of course, three-piecing his way into stardom. So it caught people off guard when the besties aimed their sights at one another after spending so much 
much time building one another up in years prior. And considering that the various conflicts they had with other top-ranked welterweights seemed rooted in either prior bad history or the deep-seated rivalry their gym had with what remained of the Black Zillions team, this just came almost out of nowhere. They say the best of friends make the worst of enemies, so with that in mind, as Colby has since left ATT and the words between the two have gotten more biting, this could be one of the realest feuds in the sport, but honestly, time will tell. In the meantime, forgive us for being a little skeptical. Number eight, TJ Dillashaw and Cody Garbrandt. When Dwayne Lovewick came on board to coach at Team Alpha Male, the results were apparent almost instantly. The wrestling-centric camp saw a huge improvement on their striking skills and new names emerged to contend for gold. But when the wheels fell off, boy, did they fall off. Before the team could truly bask in the glory of its first UFC title, the champion TJ Dillashaw left with Ludwig after an ugly separation. And when Cody Garbrandt brought the belt back to Sacramento, it was only natural the two would clash in the cage and on the mic. So after Dillashaw dethroned his former teammate at UFC 217, an immediate rematch was booked. In the build-up, as expected, the two slung mud back and forth with several confrontations whilst filming The Ultimate Fighter as opposing coaches, steroid accusations, retelling the story of that act packed night at Madison Square Garden and Garden Variety name calling. There was no love lost. Or was there? Just moments after roasting each other throughout a pre-fight presser, Garbrandt hurried over to Dillashaw, not to break his jaw or even shove him in response to the war of words, but to shake his hand, bro hug, and chat a little. Like, what? Regardless, it didn't stop Dillashaw from repeating his triumphant KO win and potentially leaving the rivalry in the rear view mirror. Or maybe not. Number seven, Shale Sonnen and Anderson Silva. There are so many things we can say about the rivalry between Shale Sonnen and Anderson Silva. It absolutely helped propel the surprisingly under the radar dominant champion into the mainstream consciousness. It also helped revitalize what was a stale middleweight division and it transformed Sonnen from an underrated journeyman to one of the biggest stars and most enduring personalities in the sport. But one thing we can't say for sure is that it was a genuine rivalry born out of organic dislike. Blatantly copying the monologues of pro wrestlers, it was clear as day that Sonnen's verbal assaults were a delicate blend of showmanship, comedy, and wishful thinking. However pre-rehearsed and tongue-in-cheek they were, though, it did the job. The two pay-per-view main events featuring the duo received an estimated 1.5 million buys. Of course, the downside for Sonnen is that his trash talk lightly upped the motivation level for the Spider, who sometimes fought down to his competition. And while that seemingly kind-hearted invite to a barbecue appeared polite and gracious on the surface after finishing Chael for the second time at UFC 148, there was certainly a passive-aggressive nature to pretty much all of it. But after parlaying the attention into his fat stacks of cash and work as a TV analyst, it's safe to say it was all worth it for the gangster. Number six, Chael Sonnen and John Jones. Well, of course, the story of good old Chael P doesn't end with that medium rare steak. Chael's gift of gab drew the ire of many other fighters and awarded him many other opportunities that he, you know, didn't necessarily deserve. The most glaring example has to be with longtime light heavyweight champion John Jones. When Dan 
Henderson had to pull out of his title challenge versus John Jones at UFC 151, opportunity struck for the pride of West Lynn. Accepting the late notice challenge that Jones would ultimately turn down, more chances to come up fell into his lap. Flipping a chance meeting with a higher up at Fox Sports into an audition for a coaching stint on The Ultimate Fighter, he found himself opposite Jones and booked for a title shot at 205. And even though everyone was in on Sun's act, the lines between reality and selling a fight were clearly drawn in the sand this time. And after twisting the wrist of fate to get a huge opportunity, Sun's trash talk just actually stopped. We instead saw a concerned coach and thoughtful competitor interact with his team and future opponent in a pretty civilized fashion. And by fight week, he amped it up again, but this time it was too late because we knew Santa Claus wasn't real, damn it. Number five, Michael Bisping and GSP. Prior to George St. Pierre coming out of his self-imposed hiatus to challenge for Michael Bisping's middleweight title, there seemed to be absolutely no friction between the two. There was, though, a very public negotiation to bring GSP back and a serious holding up of the crowded field of contenders for the champ's big money fight. Basically, this had to be a financial success. So when the two took the stage together before UFC 217, it was easy to see Bisping's never-ending one-liners and insults as the promotional machine at work. Even with accounts stepping on the stage late and still buzzing from the Vegas nightlife and a TMZ video of the two exchanging profane threats in Toronto, it was hard to take his words seriously. By fight week, there didn't really seem to be anyone buying that the two were really at each other's throats. You can even see the delight on GSP's face as he awkwardly responds to the forced aggression from Bisping and even just laughs along with the audience. And even a year or so after St. Pierre dethroned Bisping, the now again inactive former champion appeared on the Joe Rogan experience and shed some light on the tension between the two. Michael is kind of a guy that is he's a pro at, at boosting the an- anticipation for a fight hype. Detailing the circumstances around their film shouting match and a friendly conversation immediately afterwards in a public bathroom. He pretty much only confirmed what we all suspected. Number four, Randy Couture and Tito Ortiz. Depending on who you believe, Tito Ortiz ducked Chuck Liddell and chose to ignore his status as number one contender, or Ortiz's efforts to ensure he and his former training partner were going to receive top dollar for their fight soured their friendship. Either way, the real rivalry in the light heavyweight division was between Ortiz and Liddell, and Randy Couture just kind of forced his way into the conversation. After upsetting Liddell and getting his own version of divisional gold, Couture was set to face Ortiz, but with no real smoke between the two, the question was, would the cash-strapped Zufa maximize revenue with the UFC 44 main event? Enter the best damn sports show period. No, not the MMA on point live chat, but the actual title of the Fox Sports program that briefly partnered with the UFC. Ortiz and Couture appeared to drum up some hype, but the results, yeah, I mean, not so great. Couture, who's never been known to trash talk, looked particularly rehearsed with some pretty bad material. I know he's admiring my ears. I know his wife likes my ears too, so he's jealous of those. And the Huntington Beach bad boy has always been delightfully terrible on the mic. Similar to that juice box that was crushed to scare Chael Sonnen, Ortiz brought a cane to the show to mock Couture's age. Stellar stuff, man. Number three, Donald Cerrone and Nate Diaz. Mixing two of the sport's more extreme personalities can be quite combustible. As fans 
and to watch Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Nate Diaz interact in the lead up to their fight at UFC 141, it's hard to imagine it being contrived in any way. Going off reputation alone, Nate has always been willing to engage with anyone under any circumstances. His opponents in extracurricular melees have included everyone from Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov, and Mayhem Miller. Though typically being more friendly with other fighters, Cerrone hasn't exactly shied away from confrontation either, as Jamie Varner and Nam Pham can attest to. So the middle fingers and knocked off hat seems, it seems pretty real. And the beef supposedly stemmed from a casual run-in at an open workout they happened to attend. Diaz apparently rudely dismissed Cerrone's attempt to make a, you know, friendly introduction, and weeks later, they'd be paired to fight. Both had different stories about what actually happened that day, and Diaz spoke about how he believed that Cowboy was exaggerating the encounter. I don't know, I think he's making a little more than what it, what it is, too, what it was, so. But the tension was thick as Cerrone greeted Diaz with a bird just before the bell, a favor that Nate would return at the start of the third. But instantly after the 15 minutes expired, they were completely different with kind words and even exchanging hats. As it turned out, they both basically acknowledged the need to hype the fight at the post-fight presser and expressed nothing but admiration and respect for one another. And whatever ill feelings lingered were squashed behind the scenes at UFC 202. Number two, Brock Lesnar and Daniel Cormier. If and when Brock Lesnar were to return to the UFC, it would easily become one of the more anticipated moments of whatever year it would occur. One thing it wouldn't really need is a storyline more fit for his duties at the WWE, but that that's exactly what was attempted at the close of the UFC 226 broadcast. Just moments after knocking out Stipe Miocic to become the second simultaneous double champ in UFC history, Cormier took the mic from Rogan after his post-fight speech and did his best to give Vince McMahon a big old boner. With Lesnar, who was rumored to be in negotiations for a return to the Octagon, gladly took the bait and played right into the narrative that DC built. A hard shove, threats, concerned commission officials, a makeshift standoff, and Rogan giving the mic to the former champion, it was all there. Whether or not it was entirely staged is unclear, but it sure didn't look too real. Everyone from Dana, Rogan, DC, and his coaches seemed to be particularly entertained by the moment. Although DC's boxing coach Sanchez jumped in the fray, everyone, including longtime friend and teammate Luke Rockhold, stood by with a devilish grin. Also, Lesnar himself seemed to be having fun as well, holding back a smirk even as he threw the mic at the camera in front of him. And purists everywhere were likely fighting back some tears. And number one, Hafiel Torre. The entire King of the Cage wet and wild event was a complete debacle. With a furious rainstorm over the outdoor event, a slippery cage floor made for a particularly sloppy night of fights that we once recognized as one of the biggest event disasters in history. But the weather wasn't the only thing wrong that night. A part-time media member and a retired NHB fighter and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, Rafael Torre, re-entered competition that night to face his former student in a grudge match. But following some deeply flawed training footage and a horribly executed knee bar securing the victory and putting the 14 and zero fighter back in the wing column, eyebrows were raised. And over the next few months, his story began unraveling. His backstory about being a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt was proven false and basically everything else was revealed to be a lie as well. His undefeated NHB record didn't exist and despite his claims of being trained by his Brazilian father who trained under the Gracie family, he wasn't actually Brazilian. In fact, his real name was Ralph Bartel. Bartel even pretended to win an underground Kumite tournament by having a friend drop him off in the woods and buying himself a trophy. And Eddie rolled with him. And I remember him coming back to me and he's like, that guy is not a black belt. And I go, what, you sure? 
And he goes, dude, he don't know anything. Needless to say, he was shunned by the MMA community and disappeared. And out of nowhere, years later, he'd murder a man in one of the most poorly executed crimes ever. I'm not saying that I would be good at committing, you know, any crimes. But rumor has it that he now spends his days trying to earn a black belt from Joe's son. Ooh. <laughs> Thanks again to Origin and Jocko Willink for sponsoring this video. It's awesome to be able to share their line of pre-mission energy drinks in Go. In addition to the fact that they are all natural, sugar-free, keto-friendly with no artificial colors, sweeteners, or flavors, they're absolutely the best tasting energy drink out there. The guys at Origin Labs are just absolutely kicking ass. And if not already on this hype, you absolutely should be. It's honestly just head and shoulders above any other competition. So for those of you that want to get in on this lifestyle, you can head over to originmain.com forward slash Jocko Fuel using the exclusive code MMAonPoint20 for 20% off on these drinks, as well as any other supplements that take your fancy. Cheers to you, Jocko. Thanks so much to Anthony Walker, the Professor Xavier of MMA. On point, you can follow him at Ant Walker MMA. And thanks so much to Alex Volkanovsky. No, sorry, not Alex Volkanovsky. Max Randall for editing it. You can follow him at Max underscore Randall. Also, thanks so much to the man Ben Rosette, composer of the intro music. Please go check out his music by clicking the link in the description below and catch the latest updates on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks so much for watching this video, guys. Please do like and subscribe. We upload three jaw-droppingly juicy videos a week to sink your teeth into. Please do leave a comment if you feel like we missed anything or you just enjoyed the video. And guess what? You can now join our Discord, and that link is in the description. But for now, though, you have a wonderful day.